ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. This is episode 58. I am Andre. You know, you really got to just start giving me an opportunity to get my... I'm, I'm back in the the driver's seat on the you know just throwing a complete wrench in your introduction works <laughs> so um you gotta, you gotta try harder dude you okay. gotta because i know it's coming like if i breathe you got me if i <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's a that's a pretty succinct way to put it <laughs> yeah it's like oh crap um yeah so um Sorry, I stepped on you introducing yourself, which was not polite for for those that are tuning in for this for the very first time to episode fifty eight. Yeah, the rude one is Chris, and I'm Andre. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so as he said, that makes me Chris. Uh, I am rude as hell, um, and I live in a shell. No, I don't. Well, I mean, don't we all these days? We do. We do. That protective shell that is, you know, that thin piece of fabric I call my face mask. Collaboration, synergy, thinking outside the box, raising the bar, breaking down silos, shifting the paradigm, disrupting the market, business. I I think I've actually bought um, a couple of face masks, like um, I guess they're support frames because I wear glasses and that so the you whole bought pop- a bra for your face. I did. I did. So <laughs> that way <laughs> my eyesight wouldn't be impaired by like the inevitable fog. I had uh, seen yes. uh, some advertisements for those. I mean, as you know, I don't wear glasses regularly, but I do love my sunglasses every time I go. I mean, you remember when we worked at a certain place that every time we would step outside, I'd be like, hold on, I got to grab my sunglasses. Yeah. It's, it's, I try to take care of these bad boys. I got it. It's your thing, dude. I got 2015 vision, man. I can't have the UV rays <laughs> affecting my my vision down the line. He said, he said I got 2015. Dude, shut up. Nobody cares, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking for all the people that are like somewhat visually impaired. Shut up. Nobody cares. Um, I could have been a fighter pilot. But yeah, I bought like uh like an ungodly amount of either new mass types or these frames that supposedly help with glass, you know, glass, you know, glasses, not fogging up. I found these masks that were like seven ninety eight on Amazon. Yeah. And they actually work pretty well. Um, and I kind of think that I'm going to be in that group of people that wear a mask, even after everybody gets a vaccination. Um, but I also don't like the fact that there is not a mask for people with glasses. Like there's nothing designed specifically for that group of people. So you said that you bought some of like the under the mask support systems, which I, and I've seen some of those advertised on social media. And so I was always, I mean, anytime that I see stuff on social media, that's not like, Oh, that's a funny t-shirt that I like. And even then when it's like, Oh, this t-shirt is $25. I'm like, okay, no, stop it. 
just, just right. <laughs> stop it. Or it's like this t-shirt's t-shirts five dollars and i'm like okay but that's got to be like the crappiest t-shirt ever <laughs> so if you get me in that like seven to twelve dollars fifteen dollar range <laughs> for a t-shirt whew, i'm all in baby uh except for six dollar t-shirts which should totally sponsor us uh <laughs> considering that it's basically the it's probably like 80 percent of my wardrobe uh, in terms of t-shirts these days I did a complete like restock from them uh, at one point. Christy was like, yeah, you kind of need some new t-shirts. And so they had a deal where it was like, if you bought 10, instead of paying $6 per shirt, you only pay five. Talking about that per unit price, baby. Got to get that as low as we can go. It doesn't matter how much you got to spend. On the front end? Because in the end, worst case scenario, you turn around and sell it at a profit. I'm in the t-shirt business. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. It's... <laughs> I don't know what to do, bro. I'm just so I'm so angry at you right now for even. <laughs> Why are you gonna pay six dollars for a shirt when you can get yours from me for five seventy eight <laughs> plus tax? <laughs> When I open up 578shirt.com, then we'll see who's laughing. <laughs> you, know, you know that's not how math works, right? Like, like, oh, man. I'm so angry. I'm mad that I'm, I'm, mad that I'm engaging in this part of the conversation. So, so anyway, uh, I bought these, uh, these this one set of support frames from like four ocean, the people that take out plastic from the ocean. Yes. They're like 20 bucks. Right. Yeah. And I don't, they kind of worked, but they kind of didn't. So the thing is like, in order to keep your glasses from fogging up, you have to raise the mask higher over the bridge of your nose. Sure. And a little bit of me that's claustrophobic doesn't like that too much. So there's a lot of just, like I was going to send them back, but I was like, oh, I, I gave 20 bucks to help remove some of the, the, you know, waste plastic in the ocean. So and then you immediately it. threw them away. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I straight up drove to the ocean and I chucked them out in the waves. And I said, go back, be gone. I don't want you go back to where you came from. That's funny. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna. Uh, you probably picked up on this uh, earlier, but I'm in a I'm in a mood. <laughs> so yeah, this I, should be a fun episode. <laughs> you know, I did not uh, send them back to their maker, but the lesson learned was that I'm just kind of frustrated that there's not. You know, somebody hasn't taken the opportunity to design something for people that wear glasses. Did you report so, them to the Better Business Bureau? No, because I, I didn't feel bad about the 20 bucks. No, um, I know. It's uh and that's that's the right mindset to take. I think it always really disappoints me when it's the other way around. Uh, right. So like every year down at Carolina Beach they have this um event. It's called the low tide run, and you know, uh the bulk of the all of the profit from my understanding, and once they, you know, pay for all of the uh, fees to Expenses put on the event. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, goes towards very good funds and charities and that sort of thing. And so last year when they had to cancel it at the very last minute because it was this just this past weekend and the same time the year before, so right after COVID hit here in the U.S., um, they had people that were requesting a refund on their uh, you know, like in, on their registration fee. And they were, they gave them to the people that were willing to, but it's just kind of like, really? Like, it's like, you know, <laughs> you were going to donate the money anyway. Right. Like, what, what I mean, yeah. and, and a bunch of people ended up, you know, basically going out and running the course anyways, because it was like, well, I already paid and I don't have anything else to do on Saturday <laughs> morning. So, <laughs> but how much do they pay? Um, it's like 40 bucks. Come on, man. Exactly. I mean, you know, if I could, like if it's a Boston Marathon and you're paying like $500, okay. I don't know if that's what it costs to register for the yeah. Boston Marathon, but I'm sure they make paint. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, I was actually talking to one of the boys this weekend about this. Um, like, I believe there are two, like, uh, people kind of operate in two spheres, either scarcity or abundance. Um, and I'm, probably pro scarcity and i found that thinking of things like life in the scarcity of fill in the blank whether it's uh, resources or um uh, your your lifespan even right you have limited there's always limited fill in the blank it's there's never the um infinite pool of whatever you're thinking there is it's made me more charitable and I know there's other people in the other camp of the abundance mentality that are just wasteful uh, because they feel like everything is limitless. Um, but I've also seen people that take the, you know, the, the people, and you're going to love this, that start from the bottom and they achieve some type of financial success. I didn't say what you thought I was going to say. Oh, I didn't say anything. What are you talking you, about? You know, they start from the bottom. Like You, you actually, you're going to leave that alone. I have okay. no idea what you're even making a reference to right now. I swear to God, you're so full of crap. You've always, every time somebody said they started from the bottom, like, and no, some Drake reference. And then you're like super excited for 20 minutes. But I guess your mood is, is flawed today. Who's Drake? Now you're playing me. <laughs> <So anyway. laughs> um. I know. I it's gonna it's gonna be a long conversation. It is. This is what we're gonna do. Yeah. Um, it's really gonna be a very one sided conversation. It's gonna be <laughs> you talking and me interrupting and trying to sidetrack you. There are some people that have bastardized that, and typically it's people that like they literally start with nothing, achieve some level of financial success, and I kind of sense I, I think they're selfish, you know, and. Um, they have a, they have less empathy for other people. And I kind of fall in that camp. I'm not very empathetic when it comes to, um, people's challenges sometimes, because, mm -hmm. you know, life often reminds me, as I told my son that I'm not a unicorn, I just made different decisions. Um, and I have to remind myself, I'm not a unicorn. I'm not special. It's just that I have to do a better job of conveying the message of, yes, that's challenging. That's hard but you still have choices. You still have options you can take as opposed to uh, being, well, there's some things I'm just not empathetic or sympathetic to. I just don't really care. Yeah. I think, I mean, in general, like there are some things where you kind of make your own mess, right? Like, 
you you make your bed and you're gonna lie in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sleep with uh, lie with what is it? Sleep with lying dogs and you're gonna get fleas. I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of sayings. Um, and so yeah, like I think in a lot of ways, you know, it's like the the what is it, the old saying? Since I'm quoting them, uh, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. To, yeah. In a sense, you know, like I mean, yeah. yes, there are there is there is some randomness to you know, quote unquote, good fortune in terms of the opportunities that meet certain that certain people have, right? But is, is there though? Well, I because I, I don't. Yeah, I think, I think there I, is because I think I mean, look at the randomness of. I guess like me being born in this time in this country and, you know, having like all of the opportunities that I may have had one way or the other along the way. Right. That's something where somebody born, you know, in Laos at the same time is very unlikely to have those same opportunities. And so I think in that sense, you know, yes, there is a certain element of randomness to it. However, I do think that there is something, there is a lot that goes into somebody either recognizing an opportunity and taking advantage of it, right? Having, you know, being willing to take on a certain amount of risk that other people weren't willing to take on, right? Like there's a lot of different reasons that I think people ultimately succeed. And I think more often than not, it's it's probably because, I mean they worked hard or because they happened to have a right idea or, or be able to do whatever it was that needed to be done. I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to think that, um, because I, I'm not a big risk taker. Uh, I'm fairly cautious about a lot of things. I'm very calculated and I'm starting to, and it's not because I'm a hater. So I know there's some people, you're just a hater. I don't think you're, and I, but I used to believe this. I believe used to believe that you're, uh, your level, your risk tolerance probably made you more successful. I don't necessarily believe that. I think it's more so you may be interested in or committed to said venture or path more so than anybody else. I don't think it has anything to do with the risk. Um, yeah. I mean, I think in certain situations, right? Like I, I, that's where I think ultimately it, it's not, yeah, it's not that by taking on more risk, you inherently, you know, are going to be more successful, right? Or that a tolerance for a higher level of risk ultimately equals success. Right. Because that's certainly not the case. There are plenty of people who take risks who have failed miserably, miserably repeatedly. Yeah. Um, I think. But we, all, we often promote the ones that took the highest risk. Yeah, the, because or, or, yeah, because sexier. I think a lot of you. Well, yeah, <laughs> because it's like because a lot of people have seen what happens on the other side of it, right? And so there is that inherent kind of self-preservation effect that goes that most people I think experience in those situations where it's like, you know, could I put a bunch of could I have put a bunch of money into Bitcoin? 10 years ago, right? God, I hate that conversation, but go ahead continue. But yes, like I could have, right? And at any point when it was at one of its peaks, maybe I had the, the you know, decision to say, I'm going to cash out and I could be sitting, you know, pretty, whatever. Like, 
that's a risk that I was kind of looking at it going, yeah, you guys go have fun with your pretend money. Like, I, that's not something that I ever felt comfortable, and I still don't. Like, I'm still not right. jumping at the opportunity, regardless of Coinbase and, you know, the fact that they now have apparently like a Bitcoin ATM in Cary or Raleigh or something now. And I'm just like, I'm not, that's not me. And at the same time, I also understand that that may mean that I miss, you know, opportunities like that. You know, that right. I, that I'm not driving around in a, you know, I almost said Lamborghini, but I wouldn't drive around in a Lamborghini. I would. I feel like I wouldn't. I would, it would probably be a Porsche more than a Lamborghini. Like, I feel like yeah, I, I would, buy a Porsche I, before a Lamborghini. Well, financially, sure, you probably. Well, no, but I mean, just, I mean, like, especially if I had, like if I, dude, if, if I had Lamborghini money, just get out of here. I guess. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, if I well, had You don't buy a Lamborghini, you lease it. Uh, if you're, <laughs> if there's something wrong with you, did I tell you about the time I went to this party and, um, we were, my wife and I pulled up and I was like, Oh my God, it's a Lamborghini. I know I showed you the picture like 20 times. I right? think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, somebody's got a Lamborghini. Like <laughs> It's like, this is crazy. And I thought it was one of my friends, uh, his friends. Cause he's a DJ. And I didn't know how much money DJs in this area can make. So I'm like, you know, somebody's balling out. They're probably doing some exclusive clubs, blah, blah, blah. We go to another party and uh, see the same car. And then I start like, start lining up people. I'm like, I know it's not him. I know it's not him. Right. There was this unassuming guy, like 20, 26, 27, construction worker. And his goal was to grow his company large enough so he could buy a Lamborghini. And that's what he did. And uh, I was talking to him about the one that's on uh, Glenwood. And apparently all the Lamborghini drivers around here know each other. Yeah. He goes, his is least. (laughs) It was was the first thing he said. It was so epic. I was like, yo, hate and shade right there. And my wife, she's always telling me to make sure I behave myself at parties. Because... There, there's a couple things I could do that probably she's like, I'm not okay with that. And uh, so we're outside and we're just like, you know, we're guys, we're like hanging around the car and, and blah, blah, blah. And I guess my wife had met his girlfriend and she didn't, she met the girlfriend first and she's like, oh, I'm with so-and-so. And then she comes over to me and we're, we're talking and I'm like, oh, this is uh, his car. She goes, huh, that explains your girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, and I we all stopped and looked at her. I was like, "Yo, that you said the sense. quiet part out loud." <laughs> it blew my mind. I was oh, like, "No, I would have never said that." Yeah. I mean, he's an he's an okay guy, but it's kind of like she's a model, literally, technically, and professionally a model, and. Uh, He's probably punching above his weight class. I don't know. But she said it because I guess from a woman's point of view, she was like, no, this makes it work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. I love that. That's funny. So did I get you completely sidetracked on your on your other points? You did. Uh, Good. Actually, let me come back to that. Um, So I don't think that... um, I don't think risk is the the secret formula. I think it's a matter of, even with Bitcoin, right? You, you can take a lot of things and just kind of, 
you can kind of see people's interest or their level of passion for said topic. And that probably drives a lot more of it. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. I mean, probably. I mean, I was wrong once before. <laughs> my mom, my mom told me, she, she said, baby, you're wrong once. I'm like, Oh yeah. She goes, but don't worry. It was just a dream. <laughs> you woke up from a bad dream. No. I swear you've used that on this podcast before. I just want to, I'm very confident in my opinions. Who and I, but you? I, but I always give my disclaimer. I could be wrong. You know, prove me wrong. <laughs> Those are not the same thing. Those are not the same thing. They don't have to be. No, but I'm just like, I could be wrong. Prove me wrong. Like, those are two. They're just so, I mean, they're not diametrically opposed. But. but. <laughs> oh. Um. So speaking of that, just makes me think of I texted you, I think it was last night, um, when I was I was at the beach this weekend for my mom's birthday, um, and one afternoon we were kind of sitting around and Christy was taking a nap, and I was like, well, I'll just find something on TV to watch, and so I was flipping through Hulu, and because I recently upgraded to the Hulu Disney Plus ESPN Plus package, um, now all of like the ESPN stuff shows up on there, right? Because you can now basically stream through Hulu. And right. so their 30 for 30 series, which I have always loved several of like basically any of the ones that I've ever watched, mm. um, was on. And so I started flipping through and there were a couple that I ended up watching. Um, the first one was about the USFL. Hmm. Yeah. And it's inception and ultimate failure. And I tweeted about it, but I just had to talk about it again because it really did just remind me of how much I, I don't like that guy. Like I'm not even, it's just, I, I, I'm so glad that I, we don't have to deal with him on a regular basis anymore. Like, because everything he, it, like, even back then, watching him and like the, the clips and stuff that they had of him in like the 80s and 90s when all of that stuff was going on was just like, this guy was always such a jackass. Like, how did anybody ever really like how did people continue to fall for it over and over and over again you, you know one secret thing about the rise of donald trump and i kind of thought about this over the weekend if you look at what our economy was doing since like 83 84 and the pivot from uh, building the middle class to the individual and how much you can acquire and consume that's Donald Trump. Like his whole persona, even when I was younger, was about what he accomplished. Not, not even seeing, seeing or peeking behind the curtain. It was all a farce. But he was a reflection of that. If you look at people, the generations that voted for him, they're typically my senior. And they are the of the younger group, there are people that 
are fascinated by reality TV. It's almost the perfect marriage. If you look at the people that support him, like MAGA country people, they they are my senior. They grew up in the eighties. The the you know just the constant consumption and acquisition of things, and people that are fascinated by a lifestyle they don't have. And there you have it. Yeah, I, that last one. You know, like I. That one always kind of fascinates me. <laughs> is, um, I, or, or I, you know, like is very confusing to me. It's not even fascinating because it's not something that I that I am like drawn to. But it is something right. where I, when I, when I see it, it's, you know, it always is just kind of like because the the mindset usually is like if if I'd only had this opportunity if I'd only done this if only you know this had worked out differently then I'd be living on easy street and you know everything would be better for me and then the it's like the the reality of then literally everything that is around you right now would be completely different right like your family your friends your your entire relationship with everybody else would be completely altered by all of that. And to, especially I think the people who's like say that stuff out loud regularly to the people (laughs) around them, it's kind of like, I mean, what a dick. I mean, like, you know, it's this, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that your life was so miserable. You know, your life with us was so terrible that you'd, if only you'd had that opportunity and been able to get away from all of this, you know, like, (laughs) but you know, the, the funny thing is I've been, uh, fortunate enough in my life. I know a good handful of millionaires. There's a common theme, like, even though they're millionaires and I'm not, this is no hyperbole. This is like, these are facts. Yeah. They all still work like people that have never actually had that financial freedom. They think that they stop working. Right. Yeah. You retire as soon as you're a millionaire. Like I'm living. Yeah, exactly. I'm living on easy street. Everybody, everything just makes money for me now. Yeah. That's not a thing. That's not a thing in the real world. Like I probably will never retire. Like I, that's probably in the cards for me. I'm just, I don't think I'm, or do I believe I'm wired that way? I may get to, hopefully I get to a point where I can like do something super cool and keep the lights on perpetually by my own efforts. I'll probably never retire. So I, I guess I have a question about that. We've talked about it a little bit on this show. I don't know why I'm referring to it as on this show. I feel like I feel like now this is like a late night talk show. Um, if we recorded a couple of hours later or earlier in the day that maybe we could be. Um, but so we've talked about like the, you know, essentially the complete overhaul and the retirement uh, savings apparatus here in the United mm-hmm. States going from company kind of held and managed pension funds to 401ks and stock market driven, you know, investment and all of that. And I wonder, I mean, do you think that that plays any role that people don't always have like this kind of built in retirement apparatus that a lot of the times with 401ks, it's not 
like, oh, we'll start putting, we'll put away 3%, you know, regardless. And then, you know, like if you're not putting in that 3%, if you, I mean, you and I know that at, at E area, when they introduced a for the 401k program, there were people who did not enroll in it. Right. Right. Like did not sign up for it and were essentially throwing away free money because the company match, like at least, you know, match, at least put in what the company is putting in, is willing to match. And so that, at least in my mind, because then it's like, otherwise that's all money that, yeah, they're getting a tax break on the back end. I'm not saying there isn't a benefit for them in it, but I mean, it feels like that's money that they're otherwise not going to ever give to you. Am I wrong? Um, You're you're not wrong, but you're also... It's not an it's not an exact representation of how to yeah. look at that. Okay. Yeah, I I think that a lot of people. Um, I don't know. Like I can tell you this, my theory on retirement and the uh, what's happened to the greatest generation, what happened to my parents' generation. I understand why they're pissed, right? I literally get it. My generation. I don't really understand why we're pissed because we've had more opportunity than our parents probably ever will. Right. I do believe that retirement is, um, it only worked with their generation and doesn't work with our generation. Like why? Um, one, because the cost of living is probably three times more expensive than what it was in their generation. Number two, um, a lot of the charities that are like, mainstream right now are because of my generation they weren't prior to they were just kind of like floating above water Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what we really want to do we want to figure out a way to contribute back to society and that doesn't necessarily mean that uh traditional retirement it may mean that you're uh figuring out ways to you know give back to your community you're not working for you know acme incorporated but you're doing something that helps so I think there's there's a lot of complexities in it. I don't think retirement is as important to people my age as it is to people my parents' age. I'm really starting to feel that way. Like I really have started to notice that uh, that the conversation with retirement is typically like you know sixty plus. It's not fifty or, or forty to fifty. I would retire tomorrow if I could. No, you wouldn't. You'd, you'd find something. You you wouldn't. You, I, I can almost guarantee you that you would not retire tomorrow. You'd want to take like a month vacation, but you'd still want to fill in the other, other 11 months with something meaningful in your life. You don't know me. Okay. <laughs> you don't know what I'm all about. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet you 25 cents I'm right. I don't know, man. I mean, like sometimes. Okay, you've seen the movie Office Space, yeah. right? Uh, it's like a white people shit movie, but that's yeah. the one where with the red stapler. <laughs> probably. I believe I prob- you. I believe you have my stapler, and and I- Bill Bill Lundgren or whatever who, who's like, uh, you know, I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday. We lost some people this week, and he's like, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, thank no. No, no, no. Okay. Anyway, it's no. it's a Mike Judge film, uh, creator of such classics as Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. 
Um, and he's okay. he's done a lot of other stuff as well. But um, <laughs> office space. So wait, what were we talking about before then? You're you're not going to retire. Oh and- right. So the main character in that, like, basically his whole thing is he just like he hates his job. I mean, granted, he works at like a crappy tech firm in the early 2000s um but his whole thing is like if, if i could you know the, it's this question of um what would you do if you had a million dollars and he's like i'd do nothing i would just do nothing that's all i want i just want to do nothing <laughs> and there are i mean granted i couldn't do nothing every day but if you told me that like i didn't have to do anything to earn money in order to be able to live comfortably for the rest of my life is a million dollars comfortable no i'm not saying that that's that's my point so that's why i always say like sure that sounds great on paper right a million dollars does not cut it right the average person will earn close to and or a million dollars in their lifetime sure and at this point Uh, if i mean if if you've got a million dollars by the time you retire then you haven't saved nearly enough money right because so, you can't live on that for 10 years. <laughs> right. But would you want to like, I, I understand the, what you're saying that like you would find something to keep yourself, not like to keep yourself busy, but you would find like you, you would feel some emptiness in. I mean, cause I'm right. Keeping, or some void. The, the, theory, the thing is you're keeping the lights on, right? I can find something to keep the lights on. That means like paying my bills, affording my lifestyle. Right. But if I can do something I enjoy doing and keep the lights on and give back to people, why the hell would I retire? Because if you love what you do, it's not work. And that is sounds super cliche, but it's super on point and super real. It is. No. And I recognize that, but that's what I'm saying right now. We're talking about working and you wouldn't be working. And and most people, because you would be loving. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't know. I swear it. But, you, but you know you know what i'm yes, saying right i do know what you're saying I that's do. why and, that's why people quote unquote retire and they move to central and south america and they open up an orphanage or, if i retired i would edit podcast episodes all day long because <laughs> she'd be catching up yeah, well, I got yeah it. for the rest of my life so i like <laughs> i need to retire tomorrow no but i like i on i mean yeah like i would probably pour myself very much so into you know like doing more active social media marketing or whatever for the podcast and the website like writing more on that because i really like writing like when i don't right. have to do it um <laughs> when there's not a gun but, in my head <laughs> but my point being is that the 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 part of the conversation we're not having is that the expectation is no longer for the vast majority of americans if i'm being super honest but um, i so i think yeah i think there's a people are there's an acceptance to some degree right but i think there is still a desire for that to be at least like uh i mean yeah because i think a lot of people do they i mean even right our generation my generation and your generation like we knew going into it that really wasn't going to be an option for us right like we i've been hearing since i was old enough to remember not 
you know, three, but like since <laughs> sometime in school, like, well, social security is not going to be there by the time that you retire, right? That there won't be any sort of government, you know, plan to help. And granted, I also understand that social security was never supposed to be like, I'm going to retire and live off of social security and that alone, right? Because it well, was the partner Well, the partner was the companies, right? And right. The, the, comp- the companies bailed out of that. Yeah. Uh, and I blame uh, Bill Clinton for that. Well, um, yeah. If I'm if I'm being like legit, no, I, I know I 100 percent blame him for that. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to cut you off. I just think that if we're being like, but you will. <laughs> so Tom shoes, but bonobo socks. Like you start to think of all these um, socially conscious companies that are doing th- something that earns a profit, keeps the lights on but they help other people. Mm -hmm. That is not a, it's not a fluke. It's one of the things where you're starting to see the makeup of what and why companies are one of the greatest inventions, according to Steve Jobs. And I I actually agree that ever came about in the 20th century. It allows you to collectively work on something that helps other people. Um, And it doesn't always have to be profit driven. It can be enough profit to keep the lights on, but to do something that contributes back to society. Yeah. And this is like me not being like uh, pie in the sky, unicorn thinking and dreaming. It makes sense. Why there was a a time less than 10 years ago where there are a lot of seniors going back into the workplace. Mm -hmm. You know why? They were former CEOs, former CFOs, former like you know higher level executives in companies and and mid management, trying to contribute back to what they saw was a gap in the in the business market. There's a reason for that. Like we're we're probably wired to help each other. So, I'm not saying like you shouldn't have enough money to get to that point where you can you know semi retire, uh, which is becoming a a more prevalent term, but. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not trying to like Is that cash where you're out. working part time thirty five hours a week instead of full time forty? Uh, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was a reference <laughs> to our conversation last week. <laughs> but but you see my point there, right? So yes. if I can if I can supplement my whatever stash I have at retirement and give back, I'd rather do that. One of the things I want to do is open up like a, a real youth center and like give back to the the quote unquote inner city. Like that's one thing that I really want to save my pennies enough to do to where I can actually go back and help people. And not just so your name's on a building. Yeah. I don't want my name in a building. Right. I'll buy the building, but I don't want my name in the building. God, the day you die, I'm going over there and I'm writing <laughs> Andre Powell. <laughs> I mean, but I'm being for real, man. Like I don't, I, I want to be able to like really stop and pause and help out. And there are meaningful ways. Bill Gates, although I was not a big fan of Microsoft in their early practices, the more and more I learn about where he's at in his life now, I can only admire him. You know, even though there is a, uh, there's skepticism of waiting for billionaires to solve our problems. Sure. I can't say he's not genuine in his actions. Yeah. I mean, like that's, I'm with you. 
it'd be great if we didn't live in a society where we required or where we expected billionaires to be the ones to have to bail us out of crappy situations, right? But in a sense, like, we kind of find ourselves where we do because we have so many freaking billionaires in this world right now, right? I mean, like, the as you pointed, alluded to, or not alluded to, but talked about earlier, the increased, like I mean, the massive increase in the cost of living compared to the average increase of, you know, a worker's wages in that time period is, I mean, inflation has increased more than people's <laughs> wages have in the same time period. And, and I hate to even have to defend that argument, right? Because I'm not, yeah, I am pro company. I think that companies don't have the moral incentive to do the right thing for their employees. Right. I was challenged one time some years ago because um, I wanted to change the, the, the average wage of my employees. And the challenge to me was to look at my competitors. And I was told that, you know, well, you can't afford it. And I said, I, I bet you I can. I can afford it by if I can reduce my turnover, churn, or whatever you want to call it, whatever your vernacular is, I don't really care. Yeah. If, if I can reduce that, um, I bet you I can see like a 15 to 20% increase in sales. I was told I was, I was told I was called arrogant and too cocky, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have a leg to stand on in this art. There was a lot of, it was a tough conversation, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And I looked at my competitors and I said, I said, okay, I'm not going to pay my employees more. I'll match what they're paying. Guess what I did? Everything I said I was going to do, I reduced turnover, didn't have to like replace employees. I saw a 23% sales increase, all the, all the right things. The employers have a unwritten moral obligation to make sure their employees are happy. Cause I can almost guarantee you if your employees are happy, they're probably not going to leave. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like, at some point, there became a massive confusion about what makes employees happy, too, right? Like, there became this disconnect that um, it's like what they saw was, oh, startups have pool tables and video games, and that's what people like about that. And it's like, it's also the fact that they're in at a at a... like an inception point where they feel the opportunity to grow with the company and be an important part of what's happening and be rewarded for it when ultimately things shake out positive if they do. Like if you're only providing one of those elements, then you're kind of missing out on what is, I mean, not to say that like I didn't like having a pool table or, you know, a kegerator at work, but It didn't make me like, it wasn't like, man, if it weren't for this pool table and kegerator, I'd be out. (laughs) I'd be out. Right. Like it was, (laughs) that was never the thing that was going to keep me there. There, there's a, uh, the last time I I saw a follow up to this, I'm not a, I'm not anti HR just for the record, but there's been a survey that goes around. Are you anti people operations though? I am definitely because I don't know what the, that means. <laughs> That's some 
WPS right there. It's like, yeah. That's some let people choose their own bullshit title. <laughs> <laughs> the number two reasons people leave companies and, and there it's not money. It's lack of training and poor treatment. And I can attest that if once you're truly aware of that and you're willing to do the work to fix those two things, I can almost guarantee you money's not an op, you know, a, a, an opportunity. People will take less money to work somewhere where they feel like they're making a difference. Right. Or like, you know, that, that they're happy. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, that's just it. It's, yeah, I, I always. Dude, I have made more. I've made less money ever since I left that company. Yeah, and you're ten times happier, right? <laughs> it's it's amazing. Exactly. You like if they if they called you tomorrow and said we would we will double your salary to come back, would you take it? No, I'm good. Right. Hard pass. I mean, granted. <laughs> I can completely understand why in your case and not everybody would necessarily, but that's where I think like, right. There are people out here who think that, well, the reason I'm not happy is because I'm, I'm not getting paid enough to deal with the crap I have to deal with at this job. But you if would, I got paid more, yeah. I'd be okay. Having to put up with this crap is the, is how you reverse that. Pay me more and I'll take more crap. That's not true. Like, uh, there's right? no rational human being that is like, unless you're just a. That's wired that, but that's how people think. You uh, know that it's it's, but it's not. It is like money. It, money attracts new talent. It doesn't keep talent. No, that's so. I want to be very clear when I say that. Yeah, money only attracts talent. It is not right because keep- because what happens when you're hiring somebody new it's the quote unquote honeymoon phase it's you know look at all these bright smiling faces because we literally had a corporate meeting this morning and said hey new person's coming in and if i see one frown you're fired right right if i hear one negative piece of feedback on what this place is like when you're talking to them you're fired and that's why the unions at amazon won't work Amazon's got their own problems for their sure. supply chain. They've, they, those are those are, and nobody really knows what's really going on. And I get the I get the media impression. I, I'm telling you that the reason why people leave, it's not because they're not making. If you if I'm an Amazon employee, and it's not a very um, demanding job, like overall it's not. Um, it's not extremely like technical. It may be demanding, like in that area where you have to understand the the system, but it's not technical at the end of the day. And people have the schedule they want; they can keep their lights on. You know, their their managers aren't berating them, and they've got uh, comparable benefits to anything else. I'm pretty confident all the problems they have they go away. It's it's lack of training, poor treatment. Yeah. The minute you start treating people poorly, like that's when all of, that's when all of the other issues pop up, right? Yep. That's when they stop want being willing to look the other way on all of the other problems because yep. people, I mean, yeah, like early on at E area, like was it perfect? No, but how I, I got promoted in like yeah. Not even 30 days of being. Yeah, exactly. 
ditch me. Um, but even, I mean, yeah, like even, even when I started, I mean, same thing, right? Like, yeah, I think it was within like 30, 45 days. They were like, we're going to move you to this other position because we think you'd do great there. And I was miserable there for 30 days. And then they moved me somewhere else. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this. Like I could do this for two, three years. Um, and then 14 years later, no, uh, yeah, it's just, years later, it's like a SpongeBob, but it was one of those where like, because I liked what I was doing, right. I f- could see the impact that my job was having at the company and I was getting trained, right. Or at least being given the opportunity to learn, to learn. the skills that I, that I wanted to learn and needed to learn to do my job. It was like, okay, cool. Some of the stuff that I don't love about this, like the wacko CEO who might storm into the office any minute because he's pissed off about something, or plop down in a chair and eat up three hours of your day and still expect you to get your job done. Yeah, but even even with that, your, your skin got a little bit tougher. And I think we worked each other, you know, we helped each other to do that because yeah. a lot of that stuff wasn't, it, I didn't, it didn't shake me. I didn't cringe. No, that was, yeah. Like I, I, yes. After a while I learned to just kind of like, I mean, just to be prepared Dude. for it. Like you knew it was or, coming. So, or just to go on vacation. <laughs> well, okay. I, th- that- I think you, I think you like put your, your junk on the table and I was like, Yo, I don't know what to do. This is like my second day. <laughs> and this is happening like right now. Um So, you know, and it's funny because there there did um there there was a point where I think I recognized my value at that like you know, like that tipping point where for me, I always kind of have this tipping point, I think at at companies where it's kind of like I feel like I'm, I should be doing better. I should be doing better. And then I'm kind of like, okay, it's not that I can't be doing better. Cause I feel like, you know, like I understand that desire and drive to improve, but like, I'm doing something pretty good here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm helping. Like I've, I can, again, like I can see the impact that my job is having. And especially when I moved to production and was able to see it like on a dollar bill, you know, bottom line basis. And it was like, okay. You need me, yo. Yeah. I mean, that was what it boiled down to. It was like, well, who else is going to make all that money for you? Because if I go away and I haven't trained my replacement yet, and that, granted, that was not why I'm just a terrible teacher. Um, yeah. And, and had never been put in that position of having to train somebody to do my job, you know, like even, working at like Starbucks or Blockbuster, like that's, it's a completely different, that's a, that's a skill set that anybody that walks in and no offense to the people who work at, worked at Blockbuster or work at Starbucks. Like I understand not everybody can walk in and learn how to operate even a push button coffee machine because I've seen it not done correctly far too many times. Like <laughs> I know what they're training processes like like you should know how to make this drink um but yeah like it it just i'd never had to do that before and so it was like uh i don't know like what are you good at and you're like did you really just ask me what i'm good at (laughs) 
Okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> I'm going to give you an opportunity to take back all your words. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's like it's like with my kid when I, I like, hey, you know what? We're going to hit the reset button. All right. This morning has been awful. And we're just going to kind of reset and pretend not pretend like it didn't happen because we both know it happened. But we're just we're gonna reset the scoreboard and we're gonna move forward at zero zero. Like, cause you are so far in the hole right now. You're <laughs> never gonna get out by the end of the day. You know, it's like it's like when you're, you know, it, it's the mercy rule, essentially. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're down by too many runs in the third inning. Oh, game's over. All right, let's start, let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man, when when you're like, you no, know, I'm gonna go on vacation, I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't know how this plays out in this world but i know in the world i just came from this is this is ugly see and now at that point i still had a buffer because i still uh, had i still had ob and yeah. he was the one who had told me and approved my time off request and so i had told him i was like hey uh, this is happening on this date and you you know i put this in right and he was like oh yeah yeah it's totally fine yeah i all good but i know that he wasn't prepared for the where the hell is Dude, <laughs> the, more I think, <laughs> the more i think about it i keep remembering like yo um he literally he knew that before he went to that building there's no way he went to that building without knowing that that was the conversation he walked over there to have yeah. like thinking back on his personality i'm like now your boy knew he was going over there to make sure, see if he could like work that deal another way. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that at some point it had gotten back to him, you know, Oh, well he's, a, he's not going to be here. What in do his you mind, mean? He's not going to be here. in his mind. There was an 87% chance. Yes. He oh. was going to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, I mean, that was, there was a 90% forecast of rain, which meant that a hundred percent I was staying and it was just a 90% chance of how, how angry he was going to have to get before I was going to cave. And I just wasn't, I, you know, like there was, I was not happy with the, with that whole process at that point. Right. I was really I mean, I was pissed about the way that they had gone about handling that. I felt like what we had been asked to do was so basic that it was like, are you, you really think that I don't, you're really worried that like, that's the thing that I haven't been sitting here kind of like checking and like, you've basically given me nothing else to do. And I have an extra person to help me now. Like, <laughs> And I mean, I, you know, I, <sighs> so let's give the, let's give the, the listeners some context. So the, the company we worked at E area was changing their platform. Our primary job was to make sure that all the ads were going to be displayed so they can get that money. We don't have a get that money bumper, do we? We need to get that money bumper. Um, Noted. <laughs> You're going to forget. <laughs> so Chris, I'd been there for like barely, it was maybe my first week in some change. Yeah. I want to say it was like week one, maybe week two. Yeah. 
And Chris was going to go on vacation with his family for July 4th weekend. Yep. And they wanted to verify that all the money-making things were going to be there. And Chris was a was the expert. <laughs> was a was the. <laughs> yeah. Chris was the only person who had any idea how any of that was ultimately going to work. Yeah. And uh, we're leaving. It was a Friday, yeah, or Thursday. It was Thursday, and that was yeah. part of it. Was that Thursday was July third, second? No, Thursday was July third, if I'm not mistaken, and Friday okay. was July fourth. I could be wrong, but I we're leaving. we normally have the Fourth of July off on Friday, and so I specifically had put in because back in the day. We never knew what holidays. There wasn't an official company holiday schedule. It was whatever the king felt like it should be that week. <laughs> right? If everybody done a good job, Valentine's Day is a holiday. Like, Dude, Monday, Monday could be a, a day off. Friday was usually a great holiday. Every week yeah. almost at 1 o'clock, <laughs> like, yeah. if not earlier. Um, but yeah, it was just like, so I had put in the time. My boss, my manager had approved it. And I had even said, because then, like, as this launch, which was supposed to happen prior to that week. Right. Got pushed back. And they, because what they realized was, oh, crap, we're going to be launching potentially at a time when we would have a million. Right. Or, yeah. But uh, any, at a point where, where we would have lots of eyes on our website. And they rightly recognize we should push this back and we should do it over a holiday weekend when there is going to be significantly less traffic. Sure. I like when they made the announcement, I was like, brilliant. I totally understand why we're doing that. I hope you all have fun with that on the 4th of July. <laughs> I've already put in for my time off request again, champion decision. This is how legends are born. I will let me know how the birth went when I get back. Um, and so yeah, <laughs> he's, leaving. he's leaving Thursday. We're walking out of our building and lo and behold, the CEO walks up and he asked Chris, Hey, he asked you because he knew the answer to the question to be fair. So I'll see you tomorrow. Well, I, right. I had, yeah, I had all my stuff. No, it wasn't even, I'll see you tomorrow. It was, where are you going? That was it. Where are you going? <laughs> oh, I'm, leaving for the weekend to go down to the beach with my family for my pre-approved vacation time. <laughs> so the CEO of this company, the founder is white. Chris is white. Uh, let me, so let me give you some more. Like this is from my point of view. I'm like, yeah. that is white boys. that got fired like, right <laughs> like on the spot. This dude, he just said, what? I'm leaving to go on vacation with my family. He was like, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, I, "This is going to happen." Yeah, what? I am. What do you this mean? Is, me. This is my stuff, right? I, my and I'm stuff. Like, I just came. I'm a corporate America refugee, <laughs> and I'm thinking. I'm watching the vultures start to swarm. Yeah, <laughs> like I've seen this movie play out a lot of times before. Yeah. This doesn't end well. I don't think. I don't think this kid. Like I just got promoted. Is probably what was going through Andre's mind. No, Andre's mind was like, I've been the, the director of this movie a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. and 
Andre's like, yeah, I've seen this happen, and I know what's, I know what's supposed to go next. And as I watch Chris get into his car, turn it on, and back away and leave, and I get to well, I he get threatened to point, me before I left. I I walked away. I backed away. I was like, yeah, this is getting kind of like yeah, no, and it it was hilarious because as I recall. It was like you didn't exist to him, you know, like, I mean, because you were like you were right there and then you just kind of like it was like Homer into the bushes. you know. (laughs) I was not trying to be collateral damage. And he literally I mean, he didn't blink. He never broke eye contact with me. I could see his nostrils flaring. (laughs) And I like, you know, it was like you could just sense that blood pressure yeah. building up and he was just like you do realize that if anything goes wrong and I can't get a hold of you there will be consequences and they will be dire and I was like yep see ya because <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I did I mean I at that point I was I don't know. I wasn't. I, I wasn't in you, a good spot. Yeah, you're probably uh, realizing he's flexing on you, and I think yes, every, that was a every, big part of it. Was everybody it was, like everybody? They get to a point where it's like you're not going to flex on me. Like, I, I don't care who you are. You'd be the most white bread person on the planet. You can't just walk up on everybody and flex. Yeah, and this is no like I. Real talk, I've got no hard feelings for anybody there. No. But I will say there's some there was some suspect stuff. Yes. And <laughs> I didn't let Dre come out to play way too much there because I probably would have got locked up, man. Yeah. There's some stuff where it's like that's your ass, yo. Like there's I mean, yes, there were a number of times that people showed their ass at that company. Um, and far too many times where there was no real repercussion for it. Um, you know what I mean? It's, um, I mean, look at the management group, right? Like you look at, I mean, who was, who was hired and brought in and put in charge repeatedly. And it was, it was a, I mean, look, and I say this as a 36 year old white cisgender male like it was a bunch of white dudes sitting around talking about shit like a bunch of white dudes like that's when you have no other perspective and on top of that it was 99% white dudes from the tech industry yeah I mean correct me if I'm wrong but the tech industry hasn't exactly had the best reputation when it comes to their treatment of diversity lately (laughs) I mean, other than that, then it's just diversity for diversity's sake or. Well, I don't know because diversity to avoid lawsuits. But you look at Sunday Pachari, you look at uh, there's there's there are. uh, Look, you're absolutely right. Here's my point. Like, I think that if once companies get to a point where they hire the best person, the person with the most uh, leadership qualities. Yeah. Diversity is less of a question. It's less of you're going to force the people around you to hire people that challenge them to cover your weak spots. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you as a, you know, 44 year old black man, like 
I didn't get really good at my prior career until I started to recognize the fact that, hey, I've got blind spots and I need people around me, not people I necessarily agree with even 40% of the time that help me to see the other point of view. Yeah. And people think I'm joking when they say that. I'm like, no, I'm literally not. I actually hire people I didn't really want to hire because they would talk about things in interviews that I was oblivious to. I mean, I listen to NPR to this day because there are points of view that I'm not programmed to care about. I don't listen to them and, and agree with them. I'm like, huh, that's an interesting point of view. The cha- the mental challenge is the aphrodisiac for me because I don't want to think I'm right all the time. Even though my kids may say that, dad, you always think you're right. I'm like, no, I don't. I have a I have a tendency to express my opinion because I'm afraid not to express my opinion. Not because I think I'm right, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, no, I mean, can... I, I get what you're saying. And, and I think, I mean, do you think that that comes, do you have any, any sense of what that comes from? Is that just naturally something within you? Or do you feel like that's your life experience growing up that's kind of put you into that mode more often than not? Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah, the life experience tells me that if I don't speak, I'm not part of the team. If I'm not honest, I'm not, I get depressed. Like if I don't tell somebody how I feel about fill in the blank, I, I mentally beat myself up. So for my own mental health, I'm like, yeah, I don't like red shirts, (laughs) not like in a Kanye way. Right. But yeah, but you see what I'm saying, right? So yes. it's like I, I don't want to have to like self-diagnose things I could have said. There are uh, there are people who are perfectly capable of for an extended period of time swallowing everything that they think honestly up when they feel like it might not be what someone else wants to hear. Like I am capable of doing that for an extended period of time and not having it weigh on me too grandly. Like I, I I am yeah, just kind I of I know and I, it has been it has been a real challenge over the last year or so for me to really change that about me because I had very much so gotten into that habit of just kind of sitting back waiting to get a sense of what it was. I mean it was one of the things that I really had to challenge myself when I first got into people management. You know like people operations, people management. Um <laughs> So it, <laughs> when I that because I didn't want to have those hard conversations with people, right? When people weren't doing their jobs, when people weren't showing up for work, when people were doing things at work they weren't supposed to be doing. Right. I would rather just hope that nobody saw it, like the old Chris, right? Would have sat there and gone if nobody comes and says anything to me about it, I don't have to do anything about it. I'm not even going to address it with this person. I'm just going to hope that they know that they made the mistake and that they are going to be responsible enough to correct it, right? Something that it, they may not even be capable of recognizing that it was a mistake. If it was something that was actually job-related, right, where maybe I know, hey, we don't do that or, or you don't want to do that because of X and I'm not mm-hmm. imparting that knowledge on somebody because I'm worried it's going to hurt their feelings. Like that was one of those things where I had to 
get over that because it was it was about me. It wasn't about that person, right? I tried to make it like I'm trying to protect them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, 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 no. I didn't want to be uncomfortable having that uncomfortable conversation. And somebody, I don't remember who it was, told me that like it's really important to have those uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> Because otherwise, nobody knows what you're thinking. Nobody is going... And especially, I mean, it's true throughout life. But I think there is a certain element of that that in the workplace, people struggle with. You know, like people struggle with, I think, being honest about or or figuring out how to like... What constructive criticism is. You know, like not tearing people down yeah that it's not hey you made a mistake and you're a terrible human being for it it's hey you made a mistake this is the first time you've made it so i'm going to help you understand why it's a mistake and what we can do to correct it and then next time when you know you go to do that we'll see if it happens again or maybe then that next time i'm gonna walk you through it to you know okay second time it happens all right now we need to understand why does this keep happening right like Maybe it's a training issue. Maybe we need to go back to that, right? I mean, like, I know you know this playbook because you were literally the person who wrote it for me. <laughs> but not every, I mean, that's that's part of it though, right? Like, all. I mean, all of the time that I spent in the College of Management at NC State, that was never addressed. Like, actually managing people. And granted, I wasn't going into HR, but I don't think that you should have to be in HR to understand or receive basic people management training, like how you actually work with other people. So um, I'm going to give you like three nuggets. And I still believe this. You never manage people. You lead people. Right. You manage things. You lead people. Um, it's people aren't binary. And that's where a lot of management courses fail because every personality will predicate your response to it. Like if you know that this person's quiet, you know how to approach them. If this person's very outspoken, you're going to approach them differently. The second part is um, people don't get hired at a job to get fired. And it's the leader's job to remember that. It's not the employee's job because they're probably doing everything to stay employed because they actually applied for the job. Your job is to help them to stay employed. And if you fail them, they probably get fired. So that's where those tough conversations come in. Your objective is to help. Like the person you are at work is the person you are at home and vice versa. You can't wear multiple hats. Um, when you do that, you become less effective as a leader. And it doesn't mean you're leading this, you know, you know grand plan of like uh, world domination. <laughs> it's just, it's just the reality of like, leadership is getting multiple people to achieve an, you know, to achieve an objective. That's it. And whether it's a small task or a large task, your job is to lead them. Your job is to be the buffer. Your job is to, you know, filter some of the noise that gets people distracted. So it's with all three of those points, it's probably why I speak my mind because I know that, you know, there's somebody here. I, I've not always 
driven the car. Sometimes I've been like a passenger and sometimes other people, we talk about it, you know, offsite or outside of a meeting and nobody wants to say anything because they're afraid of getting fired. But I know that no employer wants to fire every employee every day. Like it's just not a thing. Yeah. They don't show up going, who do I get the opportunity to fire today? Right. Yeah. So those, if you're the same person at work that you are in, in private, then you have to, you have to definitely be that person. If you understand that people don't go to work to get fired, there's a rare occasions. And, but for the vast majority people don't do that. You respond that way. And, you know, if you understand the difference between managing things and leading people, and that's hard because people get titles and they feel like they're smarter than everybody else. I just don't believe that's true. I believe you hire people that cover your weaknesses. If you're a good leader, that's what you'll do. If you're just looking for uh, somebody to say yes to everything you say, good luck. You'll have your job for a limited amount of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, it's, that I, I never understood that, you know, but again, right. That a lot of the times boils down to those people not being comfortable receiving, you know, hearing the word no. Right. Or, or not having uh, had to deal with that a lot in life um, prior to that experience. And so it's like they... So what you're saying is every leader of a company should be black <laughs> or non-white. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> no, I, I'm, I... No, but I, I understand. I mean, you're, you're not wrong, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it is, it, that is a lot of what it boils down to. Like if you, if all you want around you is yes, men, then it's because you hate hearing the word no. It's because you, you can't imagine somebody else having an idea that is of equal or greater value than the one that you have. And if you're so narcissistic, then like, why are you running a company? You know, I mean, like, but Go write you know a why. book. You, you know, <laughs> well, you know yeah. why pe people are narcissistic because they're selfish. Like Earth inherently, Link. they're self. They're not selfish to their own fault. They're selfish because, like, our society kind of drives that. Well, it I mean, what better place for a narcissist to thrive than an environment where people feel obligated to say yes to them? Right. Right. Oh, and to fair. to cow to their every every whim. I mean, you know, hey, it's. Fuck off Friday, and I want you to drink. I have work to do. I said it's fuck off Friday, and I want you to drink. Now go get a beer and let me stare at you awkwardly from the corner and watch you drink. Yeah. It's cold, isn't it? It tastes good on your lips. starts now. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Like, these are... But even with those faults, right? Yes. Like you, I, I remember I got accidentally promoted by saying no i didn't agree yeah no i mean I, and look i it's not always the case <laughs> that <laughs> i mean look i'm not saying that i mean i'm sure you would agree right not all ceos or people who start companies are narcissists right right and that's certainly not what i was trying to imply and it's not to say that somebody who may have narcissistic tendencies can't also successfully start up and run a company. Like I think here's, here's the thing. I think we have to be not just comfortable with being uncomfortable, but understanding that we're probably seeing the same thing, but in a different language. Sure. And, and I think that was when I think back to that time, 
that's more or less what it was. Like I understood what he was saying, but I also understood that the people listening at that moment, you included probably heard something completely different. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I heard the consequences will be dire. And I'm like, so what? Like you're going to call me and I'm going to have to talk to you. What? Like, or, I mean, like, like I don't, I mean, we work for a tech company. I was going to have internet. Like that's all I needed. I had a VPN. Well, it was the internet doesn't, Travel oh, well, yeah, that way you understand that, right? I hate to uh, put anybody on blast, so I won't use it my name. But that was one of the <laughs> dumbest things I ever heard at the tent company that I worked for. I'm sitting there refreshing the site, and I'm still getting the old one. I cleared my cookies. I'm in incognito mode, or whatever it was at the time. I'm still getting the old one. I'm messaging the person who's supposed to be in charge of all of our IT systems, and the I response I get is, "Well, yeah, the internet probably just hasn't reached you down there yet." And I really wanted to be like, yo, dude, that is not how the internet works. But you know what? I'll just wait a little bit longer. I'm going to let it slide. I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. (laughs) I I think that the challenge of leadership is uh, I I don't believe that people are born being the leader, number one. I think you can can actually learn that skill um, if you want to do it. Anybody can learn to manage anything. If you buy groceries, you can you can manage anything because you're you're managing what you're going to put in your cart. It, it's a very mechanical exercise. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yep. It's it's know, not I, very. I was I was, <laughs> I was sitting there like, going. Now wait a minute. You're saying anybody who can go grocery shopping can lead people? And I'm like, wait, no, because we were just discussing the difference between leadership and management. And he just said, yeah, yeah, you can manage something. Sure, you can manage to get the things that are on your grocery item. <laughs> Granted, I can't always manage that. Um, well, that, that's a personal problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a I failure. Know. You got you to gotta work on that. But trying to lead people, if you have um, – I, I don't know if the right word. I don't think it's compassion, but if you – like. You believe in the organization you're in. If you want to see it be successful, you want to make sure people around you are successful, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know what that formula looks like, but I know that you can duplicate it, you know? Yeah, uh, I, and I agree. I think it's just I think maybe part of the problem, right, is, is that is what you talked about there at the end of it, is that far too often those pieces aren't also in place, right? And so a person right. who's in a leadership role doesn't feel connected to the mission, right? I mean, we talked about this last episode, right? You look at the mission statements companies put out now to blah, 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 and make friends with everyone we meet. And it's like, you know, no, man, we want to make money if we can, you know, but at the end of the day, like we want to make sure that our customers are happy and that, you know, we have a good product. Like that's what our mission is. And those are the things that you can sign up for every day when you walk in the door. You can say, I've been, I'm, you know, I have the, the, the company's mission tells me that as long as I am doing those two things, right, that everything else will work That's itself good. out. Yeah. And as long as I keep those two things in mind, then the rest of my job should be fairly easy. I think, to your point, what becomes really difficult is when you're trying to understand how some wishy-washy, feel-good mission statement 
aligns with that decision I'm having to make in that five minutes. Should right. I or should I not fix this problem, right? Like, is this something that needs to be escalated to somebody else? Is it something where I should feel comfortable telling the customer to go piss up a rope? Like, you know, what, what is the, what, what is my guidance here? And if, if you're constantly having to rely on people asking somebody else for permission or guidance on what to do, then why did you hire them in the first place? Wow. Uh, you're, you can, you, you took good notes. <laughs> I could, I mean, those are, but those are all like, those aren't Andre isms. Those are just things that work in my opinion. Yeah. And if you look at any successful company, when you separate separate the wheat from the chaff, like they have the same ingredients. Which one do you want, by the way? Wheat or chaff? You want wheat. You burn the chaff. You burn the chaff. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> he's, a, he's a low key. I, I get you. I see you play boy. That's the funniest joke. He's like, all right, all right. I got you, B. I see you. I see you. I see. I see. <laughs> but those things are those things are not the things you learned in, in and I don't I I'm not trying to knock any management course. Yeah. But I'm going to knock that management course. Yeah. It's just like look, man, yes, you can learn managerial skills. Doesn't necessarily qualify you to be a leader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm really ratting on my own education experience <laughs> slash kind of, I mean, cheapening my, my alma mater <laughs> in a sense by sharing some of these stories. But in, I think it was my junior year, I, I had to start taking like the 300 level, uh, you know, business management courses and they required you to take one of each of the different concentrations, essentially. So something in finance, marketing, operations. So you'll appreciate this. Um, So operations class, right? Our entire course is basically a simulation where we run a shoe manufacturing company. And we have to decide how many shoes we're going to produce, what kind of shoes, like in terms of the quality of shoes, like all of these different things that we go in and set. And then you run this big simulation throughout the year and you go in and make changes as everything is. And then essentially, you know, you have to talk about what you learned. Right. Um, This was at the point in my scholastic career where I was really dedicated to not being in class. And so after like the second week, I fulfilled that commitment and stopped going to class. <laughs> and then with like three weeks left in the semester, I realized, oh, crap, <laughs> that project is done. <laughs> like I had gone to meet, I think, once with these guys when they first set stuff up. And so I emailed and was like, guys, I'm really sorry. I know I was just completely gone all semester. I totally understand if you want to just tell the teacher I had nothing to do with this and, and I'll take the zero. Like, it's no big deal. I don't want you guys to put my name on this. If, if yeah, like, don't worry about it. And they're like, no, nah, it's cool, man. I mean, if you show up for the final presentation, like it's whatever. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I showed up, read what they handed me and I got an A, <laughs> but I do, I did learn certain things like from that, 
course along the way. Um, but again, like at no point, even in the, at the times when I was still like actually attending classes, did I ever feel like it was, you know, I mean, and maybe, maybe I just never took a leadership class. Maybe that's what I was missing. I was taking all these management courses and I should have been in business leadership. Well, I, I think even those kind of, well, they kind of missed the mark, but they, you need to actually talk with people. Yeah. Like when you, when you, when I get, when it gets down to it for me, leadership is like, how can you get to the, the fact of the matter with people? And it's not about what technique you're going to use. It's not about, it's, it's about having some level of level of empathy, some level of sympathy, some level of a, a lot a higher level of honesty where you can actually say, Hey, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, and you have to have completed at least one diversity course, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, make it stop. I I can wipe my ass with every company's diversity course. Oh, and, you mean and just ask what, what is essentially a court mandated diversity course because yeah. something happened at work that literally yeah. everybody knows about because ain't nobody keeping their mouth shut, let alone the people in HR. <clears throat> people operations. People operations. Um, <laughs> if you're a company, you're listening to this. Look around your staff. And if they all look like you, they sound like you, they have similar backgrounds to you. They might probably white. (laughs) (laughs) No, you might be okay. And because your customers are going to be a reflection of you as a company. Sure. If your goal is to grow your company outside of that circle, and if you do the same exercise where everybody looks like you, sounds like you, thinks like you, and acts like you, you've already limited your company. Now, does it mean you have to actually, if you're white, you don't have to be black. If you're Asian, you don't have to be white. Does, that's not what it means. Right. It means you want a different perspective of your company. And that means you're going to have to be very uncomfortable in interviewing, looking at applications with a blind eye, literally. Not saying that you're looking to target a certain person, but bring people to an interview that something stood out for you and then draw that same curiosity out in the interview. And I bet your company will grow. It doesn't have to, it's, it's not that complicated. Like I don't think an all black company would be the best company. I don't think an all white company or all Asian or all Hispanic. I don't think any of that. I just think that I want to hire the right person, the best person I want to, I would purposely hire people that, contradicted my beliefs in operations or, or business in general. I am an ops guy. I don't care. Like finance, if I deliver the customers, I'll make the money. I'm not concerned about that. If I have control over my inventory, inputs, outputs, I'm pretty confident I can you know make money. Human resources and just people in general, I know my weaknesses, my flaws. I want to have people that actually make me a better person. So all in all, I don't believe it's going to be an all-black company or an all-white company. I just think that you need to really hire people that make you feel uncomfortable, that make you challenge your own way of thinking to be better. Um, So I agree, and it makes me think of two things. One, and this came up earlier, so I'm glad you brought it back 
Um, I thought I should say I thought of it earlier, but I didn't get a chance to to share it. But when you were talking about, um, you know, like people that challenge the way that you think or the, you know, like working with people that make it that, that don't see eye to eye with you. I always think of Parks and Recreation and Ron Swanson and Leslie Nope, right? Because there, there was the one episode where I think she was going out for some other job or something like that. And he, um, oh, I think it was from the last season when, no, anyways, doesn't matter when it was from, but they're talking about their interview, her interview, right? When he interviewed her and she got like all upset and, you know, like, called him a name and stormed out or something like that. And then wrote him a letter apologizing and all this stuff. And that he had recommended her for the job. And she was like, why would you recommend me? Like I had a terrible interview. And he was like, because as much as I may have disagreed with your position on things, I recognized how much you cared and the fact that it would provide like I mean, in his mind, it was as much like this will be a fun place to work if I have somebody that I'm constantly kind of getting under their skin. But ultimately, because Ron knew that he wasn't capable of actually servicing the Parks and Rec Department the way that it needed to be and that it was somewhere in between Leslie's gung ho spend money on every cute little thing and his libertarian everybody should fend for themselves in their playground of knives you know, mentality that was going to be the best result and that it was, it wasn't going to be all Leslie or all Ron, but that by working together, they would ultimately be able to achieve the best results. And that's where I think, you know, like when I look back on, on our time working together and, you know, you were talking about like you just kind of surrounding yourself with people that 80% of the time aren't necessarily going to see things the same way that you do. And I think that that's part of it. Like, You, you know, talking about blind spots, like you recognize those areas where you may not be the best judge in that scenario for whatever reason. Right. And you want to have somebody that you can turn to in those scenarios that you can rely on. It's it's no secret. I mean, like you you look at um, whatever encyclopedia of great leaders you have from any extreme. They're number two, or they're even up to their number four. They all challenge the way they thought every time. It, it's just something in, in, in the human psychology that makes that a uh, part of the success pattern. I don't know what that takes. I mean, you look at look at our president. Like Kamala Harris is not Joe Biden. Yeah. Like, and she went at him pretty hard. And I still re- respect the fact that he was like, yo, that really made me, you know, whatever she said to him, yep. he didn't forget about it. He was like, you know, I need that. I no, need that I'm, in my corner. Exactly. Like, I'm sure that that was part of it was like, look, I may not, I may not have enjoyed being on the receiving end of it, but I also recognize that that's not something I'm always going to be capable of going out and doing. And that's something that I need in my vice presidency. I need somebody in that role who, you know, when push comes to shove is willing to fight for what she believes in. And I, you know, recognizing, sure, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but we have enough in common that we can achieve some really great things together. Yeah. And, and recognizing, Hey, 
maybe my ideas for how to fix things in this country aren't always going to be the right ideas. Maybe it is, you know, a dash of this here and a, and a mix of that there. And yeah, I mean, I look, I'm with you in that. I think if you look back at, at the successful leaders over the time and not people who just, I mean, I'm not talking about people who just made a bunch of money, right? But okay. like people who were actually successful at leading groups or teams of people, it's it's that. It's being able to to surround yourself with people that you can trust and being comfortable having those conversations where, you know, your answer may not always be the right one. And because, yeah. I mean, that's again, we look at the last four years prior to this and it was the exact opposite. Right. It was my answers are the only right ones. And until everybody is that's here agrees with that, I'm going to keep firing people. Yeah. Uh, but gosh. at least we don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, I know, right? So, well, what were you going to say? Go ahead. I was going to, oh, well, go ahead. You go. All right. I know we're going to wrap it up here shortly, but I would be very remiss if I didn't mention that the other 30 for 30, one of the other 30 for 30s that I watched was on Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> <laughs> So we've talked about Jimmy the Greek a bunch on here. We actually have an episode titled Jimmy the Greek. I had to pull up his picture in order to do that. But I must admit that I had very little actual like understanding or knowledge of who exactly Jimmy the Greek was. I kind of figured it had to do with betting. And that was pretty much it. Um, You know, so when I was scrolling through the 30 for 30s and I saw that they had one on Jimmy the Greek, I was like, okay, after this USFL one, because I had already decided <laughs> to watch that first, I was like, I'm definitely watching Jimmy the Greek. Um, Brilliant guy, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, like his whole, that dude made a, I mean, you talk about like, he made a, an entire killing off of networking. Yeah. Like that was it. He knew people in areas that nobody else was willing to 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 go to those extents when it came to trying to set lines or to bet on stuff. And then, I mean, the other part was he, I loved an underdog. You know, um, what's really interesting, I guess, is that I knew I turns out I knew a lot more about what happened at the end of his career than I did about any of the stuff beforehand. But I didn't realize that those two had anything to like that. You know that this Jimmy the Greek guy had anything to do with this other story that I had heard <laughs> later. Well, I I think that like, I mean, it goes back to, like I said, you look at any leader on any side of the spectrum, right? The, the thing I would always say that um, that's why I kind of, I kind of scoff at luck. Principles are principles. You apply the right principles to any situation, you're going to get a positive outcome because they're just the laws of our environment. And I, I firmly believe that. That's why you can have a Al Capone, you can have a Jimmy the Greek, you can have a, uh, you know, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, you can have a Barack, you know, President Barack Obama, you can have a George, President George Washington, you can take the same principles. And if you pull away all their activities and said, Oh, this is the principle that they apply there, you get an outcome. It's just, we haven't become smart enough as, as a society to strip away principles from our, in, like our environment. So you can use those same principles for good or bad, basically is what I'm saying. And I think that the, the leadership principle 
there's a commonality there, like relationships. It's uh, being willing to be honest about conversations. It's being willing to be uh, well honest. That's one of the major ones that people struggle with. It's being willing to uh, be around people that make you feel like, huh, I don't know if I, uh, I vibe with that 100%, but he's got a point because he made me think. Those principles don't go away. Like, and I, I would I would be hard pressed to find anybody that can challenge that theory. I think my theory is pretty right. I think if you if you ground yourself in the right principles, it's not luck, it's not risk, it's just the environment we live in. Our the principles are so interwoven with our society and our environment, you can't go wrong. Uh, yeah. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you joined us. Uh, I'm not sure when you're going to hear this. Um, or any episode ever again, <laughs> for that matter. But we're Andre's going to start going on a SoundCloud and seeing episodes start getting deleted. He's going to be like, wait, I thought we had 54 episodes published. Now there's only 52. Oh my God, what's happening? Sorry. We had a rough start this when Chris was in a mood, but we, uh, yeah, it's good. It's really good for me to have these conversations. These me are too. things I, I, I really kind of ponder over and, uh, whether it's because they're sparked from my kids or because of what's going on in my life, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, you can always catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple podcast, Pandora, Google music. And if you have an RSS reader of your choice, plug our RSS feed into your, uh, your tool. Uh, you can you can find that at the Chris at chrisandreshow.com. Send us an email like the chrisandreshow at gmail.com. That's going to get changed someday when Chris publishes a new episode, probably. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, you can always find us and see what we're chatting about on Twitter at Chris and Andre. And on Facebook might have a nail in the coffin, but we'll see. No, not yet. It's still It's still kicking. It's just... Nobody seems to be hearing the, the death <laughs> rattle from inside the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> but we're super glad you joined us. We'll be back. We'll be that bad. We'll be back next week. Uh, not sure when you get to hear it, but we will definitely record next week. And as always, I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.